Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Mandy Stroh, who during an emergency surgery had a near-death experience, and today we're going to learn about it. Mandy, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you. Mandy, if you don't mind, let's just start on the day it happened and go from there. Okay. Um, so my day started out, I can't remember exactly the week, you know, the day of the week, um, but I do know that it was in early May. This was about two weeks after my 16th birthday. And I was late for school. Um, I slept through my alarm clock, which was kind of normal at that point in my life. And you'll, you'll kind of find out why. Um, so I ran upstairs to take a shower before going to work or going to school. And we lived half a block from the high school. So it was just a matter of running down there, getting there on. Um, but while I was showering, I was having trouble breathing and my mom just happened to be getting ready for work at the same time. And she kind of turned to me and she said, why are you breathing so hard? And I said, I don't know. I've been doing this a lot lately. I can't catch my breath. Um, I have trouble breathing. I'm, I'm feeling tired a lot. And she said, well, let's get you to the doctor. And my mom actually worked at a hospital at the time. So, um, you know, she had a lot of people that she could call and get me in. And so she called work. She said, Hey, I have to take her to the doctor. We're not quite sure what's going on. Um, took me to the doctor. I, after this, I really don't remember much. I must've fallen asleep or, or something. Um, but my mom took me to the doctor and they did some chest x-rays and they said, well, your lungs are 75% of fluid. And that's not a good sign. And she said, but not only that, you have a mass around your heart and lungs, and that's not supposed to be there either. So we're going to send you to Des Moines, which was about a two hour drive from where we were. And, um, you know, they did all the transfer work and everything. And um, we got there. And again, I must have fallen asleep in the car. We get there, we're admitted right away. They send us. Um, up to the ICU and they said, we have to get this fluid off of your lungs and we're gonna do a biopsy at the same time to figure out what this mass is. And um, they hooked me up to monitoring and, and fluids and all that stuff. Um, and the next thing that I remember is seeing myself over these people working on me and I see we're we're actually still in my IC room ICU room we weren't um they never moved me out into an operating room or anything so 
I believe if I'm remembering correctly, it was the doctor, the anesthesiologist, um, a respiratory therapist, and probably like one um, nurse who was handing instruments or whatever. But I remember just seeing a few people standing over me and feeling okay, like not scared, not worried, not ever feeling, um, I don't know how to explain that other than I felt okay. I felt at peace. I felt um, safe. And I remember seeing them stick a needle in my chest, which was a very, I would say probably five inch needle. That's what it seemed like to me. Um, and then I felt somebody hug me and say, this isn't what it's supposed to be. And that's the last thing I remember. Um, I then woke up in my body, still under, supposedly under anesthesia with the doctor still working on me. I open my eyes. I see that needle come at me. I feel it pierce my chest. I said, ow. And then that's the last thing I remember until I woke up later. So the doctor, um, the doctor later had asked me if I remember anything from what had happened. And I said, I remember seeing you. I remember seeing people work on me. And I remember waking up and feeling the needle go into my chest. And that's about all I can remember. It sounds like that you almost kind of time traveled because you watched him put in, in the needle in your chest from outside your body. And then you, when you pop back in, you witnessed it right actually before it happened, unless they stuck it in a second time. I believe they stuck it in multiple times um, because I do have three areas. They're small scars. You wouldn't even know unless, unless you know they're there, um, but they're pinprick marks. And there's three of them around where they went to drain my lungs. Mm -hmm. So I do know that they went in a few times to get all the fluid. So I'm not for sure if, yeah, if I witnessed one and then woke up to the next one happening or, or what happened with that. Oh, okay. For some reason I was, I was under the assumption that they were putting this giant needle in your, you know, around or in your heart to restart it. No, no, they were actually putting a needle in my lungs to drain all the fluid. Did they ever tell you, hey, you died and we brought you back? They never said that, um, but they did tell me that I woke up during this during the procedure. He said, you you saying ow, that actually happened, um, you know. But they never said that I died. They never said that they had to restart my heart. Um, yeah, so for a long time, I kind of grappled back and forth was with, was it a near-death experience or was it an out-of-body experience? Mm -hmm. But I've kind of come to the conclusion that they're the same thing. To me, by definition, in order to have a near-death experience, you have to have the OBE and leave your body. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're just kind of in this little gray area. That, you know, I mean, you were near death 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you and you and perhaps you had a you either left your body because you weren't able to breathe or because you had a reaction to the anesthesia. Mm-hmm. When you told the doctor, you know, that what you saw and what happened, did you tell him you saw it from outside your body? I think I tried to, but he, I don't think he quite understood mm-hmm. um, what I was trying to say because he kind of made it sound like it was the side effects from the anesthesia. But to me, it was like, no, it's a little bit more than that. I mean, I could. I could have been standing right next to you and I don't think you would have realized, but I knew what you were doing. Um, and just the feelings that I was feeling, I don't, I, cause after that point, I had had several surgeries. Um, what they ultimately diagnosed me with was a stage four cancer. Mm. So after that point I had several, um, surgeries and I, can honestly say that I never had this experience again with anesthesia or any of those um, episodes. Now you said somebody hugged you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea what type of being or who did that? I feel like it was God or an angel. Um, the voice was not something that would have been in my head. It's not a voice I was familiar with, um, but it felt familiar. That makes sense. You probably hear that a lot. Do you think the voice sounded like your own voice thinking your thoughts or was it a voice that was completely different from yours? It was completely different. It was an outside voice that... Um, you know, was its own entity, was its own being, had its own thought process. Um, Because what I heard didn't always make sense to me either. You would think, I would think, um, you would hear, it's not your time, you need to go back to your, your family, something along those lines. But what I heard was, it's not it's not what it seems or it's not supposed to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, I have taken it as life in general. Did the voice sound familiar, like a possible family member? Um, it might have been a family member. I, it was a male voice, and I always just assumed it was God or Jesus or, you know, some type of archangel. Um, However, it could have been an ancestor that I had never met before. When you were outside of your body, would you say that you were at the level of the ceiling looking down? Oh, yeah. Pretty oh, high definitely. up then? Yeah. All right. And yeah. you, you felt comfortable or you felt good. You weren't under any stress or duress. No. Did you feel even more like you felt like overwhelming love or anything? I would, yes, I would say so. I felt um, almost like you're, it's so hard to explain sometimes, even when I'm thinking back on it, um, because I've thought about it a lot, but it's almost like you're in a swimming pool of warm water 
but you can breathe. You have a thought process. You know, you don't feel that you're drowning. You don't feel in distress. You don't feel scared. Um, you just are kind of floating there in this warm liquid and you do feel loved. You feel like everything is going to be okay. And it doesn't matter which way you go. It doesn't matter if you go towards a light. It doesn't matter if you go back to your body. Everything is going to be okay, no matter how it happens. It's interesting that you mentioned a light. Did you see a light off in the distance anywhere? I did not see a light off in the distance, but I felt a radiating presence behind me. Did you make the connection that you were out of your body or did you think that was somebody else? I knew right away that I was out of my body um, just for the fact that I could see my body down below me. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that I, um, I think I thought would happen. You know, I never went into surgery scared or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I do remember thinking that's me. Thought that I had about it. Just that's me. And that's kind of it. You know, when we look at ourselves in the mirror and at, and actually as we look at ourselves here in Zoom, it's kind of two-dimensional. We're like a flat mm -hmm. image in a mirror or on a screen. When mm -hmm. you were out of your body, did you see your body more as a three-dimensional object and it appeared different? It kind definitely appeared different. Um, that was actually the moment that I realized how sick I really was. Um, because of how much weight I had lost prior, you know, up to this point. Um, and then all of the, the medical things that were going on at the time. So when I was looking down at my body, I remember thinking, wow, I look, I look very sick. Like this is not, um, this isn't a game. This isn't, I mean, this is pretty serious. Um, I looked completely different than how I saw myself in a mirror every single day going to school and going to work. Um, so that was kind of a real, a real wake up call for me, I think in that, in that moment. You said that you had stage four cancer, which is very serious as well. Do you think that this interaction with this being had any effect on you surviving cancer? I went into the doctors couldn't, um, had mentioned numerous times how well I was responding to the chemo that I was having, even though the chemo was um, not something that was well known. It was still one of those, uh, what do I want to call, um, a test drug. So it was something that they weren't sure if it would work, but they were trying it. Um, they said I responded really well to it. Um, they they said I had a really great attitude towards the whole process. I never, I mean, I had days where I was down and, and, um, sad. I mean, anybody who, who has to go through that, it's not fun. Um, but I remember when they told me that they found it was stage four cancer, um, that I just kind of looked at them and I was like, okay, how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do? What's the next step? And um, 
the doctor said, you know, not many 16 year olds would say something like that. And I think it really did have a profound effect on me. I think while I was in that in-between area, knowing that I was going to be okay, um, again, it didn't matter which way it went. Either either way, I was either going to survive or I was going to go to the next place that I was supposed to go. So I never, I never felt scared that I was going to um, die, I guess is the best explana- explanation for it. Do you fear death at all at this point? I do and I don't. Um, I think more I fear being in pain before I go, but we all have to go sometime. It's kind of what I've taken away from that moment. Um, We don't get to pick and choose how we go. So however it happens, I just hope that it's quick and it's painless. But I I think what I most fear is, um, you know, just suffering. At least you have the confirmation that when, you know, when we do go, we continue on. We just go somewhere mm-hmm. else. Yes. Yes. That's been a huge factor in my, in my faith and how I've kind of lived since then. Um, that there is, there is a next place to go to. And I think it's just a, a one big circle and we have destinies that we are supposed to fill. Um that we have connections that we continue to have to make. We have lessons that we continue to have to learn. And it's, it's just repeat, you know, kind of repeating cycles until, until you learn that lesson and you can move on to the next one. And the next one, you know, it's, um, it's getting rid of that generational trauma and, you know, becoming your best self. And what other ways do you think you've changed due to your experience? I think I have a lot more patience with, um, with myself and with people, um, and just things that are out of our control. I think before this, if something doesn't go your way or something doesn't happen, how you expect it to happen, you're automatically frustrated. And for me, it was, um, just this profound, like, we don't have a choice always in what our next day or what our next breath is going to be. Um, so even though the day is not what we expect it to be, just know that tomorrow is going to be better or the next day is going to be better or a year from now, it's going to be better. Um, you know, that moment doesn't define everything. And so you just have to have patience that, you're in this uphill climb and eventually you're going to reach the top and eventually you're going to be where you want to be and where you need to be. And you're going to be surrounded by friends and family and life will be good. It's just, you know, it's just a journey. Have you noticed that you have any new mental abilities that you didn't have prior? I would, I would say, and I think this was happening before that experience. I just didn't know what they were. Um, but I have dreams that I don't want to say come true, but dreams that, um, that things happen. Um, so I was having dreams about a sickness before I was diagnosed. 
Um, and that could be my body just, you know, telling me what it already knows. But um, I've had dreams of pregnancies where people who I'm not very close to or people who haven't told me yet that they're pregnant. And then it turns out that they are pregnant. Or um, I was telling you at the start of this where I'm from, we had a tornado back in 2008 and it destroyed probably at least a third of our town. Um, I had a dream that a tornado had destroyed our town before that had even happened. That was probably a week before that happened. So I, I tend to have dreams of things that kind of come to fruition later. Has the memory of this experience faded at all? A little bit. Um, I've tried to keep it as close to the forefront because it's one of those things that I knew there was significance in it um, and I didn't want to lose it. However, just what I was going through with the chemo, I was sleeping all the time. I was sleeping probably 20 hours a day, 16 hours a day. Um, so while it's a memory that stands out, it's still something that has kind of slipped away. I was in the hospital for a good uh, six to nine months, almost daily. Wow. So, um, so yeah, my, my days, my timelines kind of get mixed up in all of that. Um, I tried to keep a journal while I was in there as well so that I could document things that were going on, things that were happening. Um, but again, it's, it skips around, you know, I might have a, an entry and then I might not have an entry for a week and a half, even though in my head, it was the very next day. But it's just because the medications and everything were kind of messing with stuff. So as the years have gone on, because I'm now 41. So as the years have gone on, um, it's a memory that I try to keep alive, but it is one that I think, okay, well, did that still happen that way? Or is that what I'm adding in now? Because that would make more sense. Or is this something I'm adding in because, um, you know, I have I sometimes have dreams about that night. And so, you know, is it part of the dream that I had about that memory? Or was that part of what happened? Do you think that while you were out of your body, did it seem more real than being in your body or the same? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think it felt more real. Hmm. It was something that was more tangible to me than it ever, ever felt in my life. Um, it, oh, it's so hard to explain to somebody. I mean, I've had conversations with other people who have had near-death experiences, and sometimes when they explain it, I'm like, yes, that's what I try to tell other people, but I feel like it's something that unless you've been there, you don't always understand, but it, it does feel more real than some of the other things that I've experienced in life. Does anything about your NDE inspire you? Um, I think the biggest takeaway that I had from that is really just not to give up in anything. Uh, the doctors had told me that if I had not had that surgery at that day, you know, if I had come in a day later, if I had come in two days later, I would not have survived. 
And so I feel like there's always divine timing in everything. Um, there's, you know, you just have to have faith that if you don't give up, things will come to you. Um, you will in anything, I mean, not just with illness or sickness, but anything that you want, um, you just need to have the faith that, that it will come to you. Do you think that you've been able to manifest things in your life like that? Like you wanted a new car or something and with timing it, it'll come to you or yes. other stuff. Yes. Um, I think since that has happened, it has come easier to me. I've had um, a lot more faith in the universe kind of giving me what I need when I need um, So, yeah, actually, the house is renting and the days to leave my house. Um, the area that I'm from doesn't have a lot of houses for rent or for sale. Um, so I was very, very stressed that I was going to be homeless. Well, not homeless, but living with my parents again. And um, I would say probably two weeks into it where I was really starting to feel the pressure of, okay, I don't know what to do. Um, the house that I'm in now just became available and uh, they had somebody, a seller who backed out at the last second. And um, I, I feel like it was just meant to be. I mean, the second that I stepped into this house, it was like, I, I can see myself here. I really love it. Um, you know, so I've been working with those owners uh, to buy it from them. I don't think I would be in the house that I'm in had that not happened, had the previous rent, you know, place that I was renting, had they not sold it, I wasn't looking for a house to move to. So sometimes things just happen. Since your NDE, what other paranormal experiences have you had? Um, so I've had two other near death experiences. Um, one was during the tornado, uh, my family and I were in our basement and huddled. Um, and I remember praying that I didn't care if anything, you know, I don't care about the house. I don't care about uh, the cars, you know, just my family needs to be okay. And again, I felt a presence kind of hug me um, just this, calming that we were all going to be okay um and sure enough we were the house was completely destroyed but somehow the basement stayed intact and we were able to walk away from it all of our stuff was destroyed um the second near-death experience i had after the first one so the third the near-death experience after the first one um i was actually uh, in a very bad domestic abuse situation and my ex-husband uh, pulled a gun on me and this one I cannot remember I cannot recall anything that was said or that happened this was truly a um, autopilot 
whatever took over me completely took over me. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what I did. I know I was cornered in the bathroom and um, had no way to escape. My ex told me he was going to kill me. And the next thing I remember is I walked past him out of the bathroom and I walked down the street. Um, so those are the three, the three near-death experiences that I had. Um, the first one and, the, and the, the last one were the most significant to me in terms of spirituality, but I, I wish I could remember the third one. I, I truly don't, other than, um, again, a spiritual being came down and I felt like I was going to be okay. And that's all I remember. Do you think during the tornado, it was the same being as the very first time? That one I do. Yes. I feel like they were the same person or the same being. The third one was female. Mm. Um, and that's all I know. I felt a very feminine presence and I felt like that being was actually speaking through me. So whatever I said was, they were saying it and it was enough to get through to my ex that he just stepped aside and I walked out. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or contact you. Are you open yeah. to that? Yeah. And if, okay, then how can they reach you? Um, so I have an email at amandastro81 at gmail.com. Right. Uh, and they can reach me out there. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? That there's more out there than what we think there is. Um, and there's always somebody who is looking out for you. Even if it's not the person or the thing that you think it is, there is somebody who is still on your team and, um, and going to help you get through it. Andy, thank you for that message. And thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.